because the passion was bigger than the fear that you know any situation could have given me. Welcome to the Guided Podcast. I'm your hostess, Susan DeVrained. I'm a self-love coach who coaches women to listen, trust, and follow their hearts to their dreams and their desires so that they can lead a life on purpose. Guided is a collection of interviews of such women. Women who stepped into their own intuition and knowing to follow their hearts so that they could be guided to their dreams. Today's guest on Guided is Marie Ines Vanier. The more serious side of Marie Ines would say she's a branding strategist, a designer, a developer, and a photographer for online women entrepreneurs running successful businesses that fill their soul and their bank accounts. The not so serious side of Marie Ines would say she's a strong headed, adventurous Latin woman who loves to laugh until tears fall, travel the world, savor good wine, melt chocolate in her mouth, and help other amazing women build head-turning brands. And despite the number of wine references made on her website, she doesn't have a drinking problem. She does love her some vino. Whichever version you prefer, she's here to help you find the courage to uncover and own those wild plus weird plus wonderful parts of you that make your business unlike any other business in the world. Welcome, Marie Inez, to Guided. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super, super honored and excited to do this with you today. Thank you for joining me and telling us your story. So let's get started. I just have a few simple questions so the audience can get a little familiar with you. Um, where are you from? So I'm originally from Venezuela, South America. Um, but uh, oddly enough, this I don't think a lot of people know, I was actually born in the United States okay. while my dad was doing his PhD and my mom was with him and, you know, she wasn't doing much. So she thought, I'll just have a couple of kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I moved back. I mean, I grew up in Venezuela, so I moved when I was five years old. I went back um, and, yeah, I lived there for until I was 20. Okay. And where yeah. are you? Where are you living now? <laughs> Just give so now, that. yeah, the the, the jump uh, was crazy. There's a lot in between that. But now I'm living in the Netherlands with my better half, who's a Dutch guy, <laughs> as you know, as it happens. <laughs> Too many story. of us, right? <laughs> yeah. Love pats were called. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard that term, but love expats, love pets. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> so that gives the audience a feel of your background and where you're from and where we're at now. Yeah. Um, I really love to hear your story. So I'd just love to ask you, cause you did say there was a whole bunch of stuff in between. So you had mentioned to me that you once upon a time were a humanitarian and I'm very intrigued by that. Could you tell us a little bit about that time in your life? Yeah, so um, I think I blame my my parents for, you know, starting me so early in life with the love of travel. And so it always has been with me. And um, 
when I decided to leave Venezuela, actually I, I left for a summer for two months where I was going to just learn English um, and things happened and I had the opportunity to actually transfer universities and finish my studies there. And a whole big white world opened up of opportunities that I didn't know existed. For example, you know, shifting my degree from architecture, which is what I was doing in Venezuela, to international relations that I eventually finished my degree in. Nice. And, um, you know, I always thought, I'm like, oh, yeah, one of those things that people that are diplomats do, you know, that, that I guess that's what you will end up doing. Because I always thought that I was going to go back home and, you know, just work over there. Um, but, you know, I think life always presents uh, opportunities and, you know, it is up to you to decide which path you're going to take. So uh, when I was finishing my degree, an opportunity opened up to move to D.C. to work for this international non-governmental organizations and I was like okay let's you know let's try it out it's a, it's a job so why not so I went there and I found this another big whole world of you know international organizations that do development work work which means that I mean in, in a whole loose of things you know uh, the first job was for education in developing countries mm. and then um I've always been very interested in working with women, like development of women, um, because I believe, you know, that, that I truly very strongly believe that if you educate women, you educate society. You know, we are the ones who raise the next generations, etc. So if we invest in women, we're investing in much more than just one person, right? So right. Um, my first job, I decided to start um, digging a little deeper into working solely with gender um, projects and mm. one thing led to another and uh, I switched a couple of times jobs and I ended up uh, working with um, an international private uh, company which was doing development work in Latin America uh, first mm. and yeah so it's, I became a humanitarian worker uh, like that. So you were in D.C. for a while, and that's yes. um, for NGOs, and mm -hmm. but you got a degree in international relations, which is something, just for a little, I always was fascinated by that, too. I, I went a different way, but yeah, totally great. Uh, and now you're back in Latin America, Venezuela, is that right? Uh, and start there for me. What, what, what job did you have there at that point? Oh no! I I actually never went back to oh, to in my home country. Like what the the jobs that I was having were uh, based. The projects were based in Latin America, so I used to travel a lot for work. Oh, okay. Um, so you were still yeah, based yeah. in DC. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I was based. Yeah, I mean, I lived a couple of places uh, while I was uh, working over there. What happens is that you. Um, your project, I was a project manager and you go sometimes to open offices or to close offices or just to visit, you know, to see how the projects were doing. Um, so I, I, I traveled quite a lot um, throughout South, South America. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And, and so you were in this field and you wanted more. Um, yes. And how did that come about for you? Yeah. So what, what happened was, of course, you know, at the time um, we're talking when was this? Late 1990s. Um, is it right? I don't know anymore. Anyways, at the time I was working there, um, the international development and humanitarian fields were heavily male dominated. And by that, I mean that, I mean, there were women working there, but most of us were in the administration of projects mm -hmm. area, right? So, which means that 
you do a lot of um, project management, administration, that type of thing, which can be done from the home office, what we call it, so basically in DC. Um, and while I got to go to the, to the fields, is what we called it, um, you know, to visit the projects and whatnot, it was still very administrative in nature. Mm. And by that, I mean that I not necessarily had contact with the people who were the beneficiaries of the uh, projects and all that stuff, which is really, truly what I was aiming for, right? So um, while I liked it and it was a very um, educating time for me, right? Like I learned how to manage projects and all that. That was great. But I got to a point where just like doing the same thing year in and year out. And I was like, this is not what I want to continue doing my entire life, right? So something started itching again, you know, I was like, okay, what, what will I do? I thought it was that I needed more education. So I went for a master's degree actually here in the Netherlands. And that's the first time I came to, uh, to the Netherlands and I fell in love with the country. Um, but even that, after finishing my degree, I went back to DC because I couldn't find a job here in, in Europe. So I went back to DC and I sort of fell in the same hamster wheel type thing. And I was like, mm. something's got to give, right? So. I just got tired of it and I was like, I, some, I mean, I, I had a chance actually right before, probably six months before I decided to do the unthinkable, I got a chance to go to Nigeria <laughs> on a research uh, project, which meant that I finally got, you know, to, to like go to actual people who were, we were going to help and actually wow. ask questions such as like, do you think you need help? Do you think you need this? Right. Because there's also this like, um, very um what's the word that we we believe in the west that we know better and that our way you know it's what um a little imperialistic <laughs> type yeah. of mentality right like um yeah. so it was a very interesting trip um you know i i got to interview um cashew nuts uh women who were getting microcredits to create their own um little fields and okay. you know just asking them like you know what what is it really that you would need like is it really you know I don't know machines or is it really mm. you know what what we all thought that was needed and so it was very very interesting um trip okay. and then by the time I came back to to DC it was sort of like oh yeah pat in the back good for you it's, you know here is the pile of papers that you need to work on now so I was like mm. wow um so when you were so at this time you got a master's and what, what did you get your master's degree in? It was, um, yeah, uh, what's it called? Gender studies, sorry, and with a minor on international law. Okay. So it was very, very superficial. It wasn't like, but like, you know, just, uh, uh, international statues and you know, the, the, how the international organizations are working together, et cetera, et cetera. So, but for me, the interesting part was, of course, the gender studies. And so, yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. So you were on all of these humanitarian, you worked for an NGO, they had a certain mission. Um, then you decided to get more education because it wasn't fulfilling you. I, I'm curious throughout all of this, what exactly would you, if, you know, I know where you are now, but what were you hoping to do? Like the Nigeria thing sounded like it came really close. Mm -hmm. um, is it more finding being with the people and having a direct impact? Or? Yes, totally. Okay. Um, it was more to do with feeling like 
my legacy would be, you know, working on helping other people achieve their full potential, whatever that full potential is, mm -hmm. and not taking an assumption that we know what that potential is, you know, like, um, again, I do feel that the West, not only the United States, but, you know, you're including European mm -hmm. international organizations always feel that that they know better and we know better. And so, you know, I think coming from, from a South hemisphere country, I, I, I have a little bit more of a um, nuanced feeling of, you know, it's not always, it felt a little imposed. And I, um, mm -hmm. I tried to put my little grain of salt in that, you know, when, when we were talking about project uh, development and project proposals and all of that, I was like, you know, always like the, the devil's advocate. I was like, well, you know, what about, have we thought about this? Like, even even including the gender perspective, and by gender perspective, I actually mean women's perspective, yeah. um, was was not um, a standard back in the days. You know, it was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, we have to, you know, make sure. Um, but there, there's a very um, famous case, uh, and I don't remember which organization did it, but there was this project of like water project, right, in Africa, somewhere in Africa, and um, they brought the water to a village. And they never asked the women if they wanted the water in the village, you know, and it turns out that, yeah, of course, everybody's grateful for the water, but the whole point of them going to, to, the feet, to you know, walking sometimes 15 kilometers to get water, allow them to not have to do certain chores at home, which were hard or, you know, allow them to just like interact with other women. Basically, it took away part of their enjoyment without asking them, you know, is the will, you know, maybe it would have been enough to like move it five kilometers closer and not in the middle of the, of the town or something like that. So where they saw it as being the worst thing you could possibly want to do is walk 15 kilometers. It was actually giving these women a sense of community and freedom. Yeah. And so what I hear from you saying is that you really are the protector of people's um, true, I'm not going to find the word right now. Like you almost, you're the advocate for what other people want and, and yes. this is yeah. where you wanted to be. And so we know that you weren't completely fulfilled in how you wanted to roll that work out. And yeah. so you did the Nigeria thing. You came back to D.C. Here's your paperwork, lady. <laughs> Which uh, for the audience, there's a lot I want to say here, but I'm just going to hold back because this is an interview. <laughs> right? It's still in the <laughs> Um, <laughs> you know what I mean, weariness. Yep. I was like, okay, talk about gender equality and all this stuff. It's like it almost seems like that was playing out even here in the role that you were in. Like, okay, yeah, totally. So we're I mean, at we can have another whole podcast just about that one. <laughs> podcast two coming to you later. Yeah. But um, so we can see kind of how it's like mirroring your life at that point and obviously yeah. you were not happy so what happens next for you yeah so I um you know I did the normal thing I went around to look for other jobs and whatnot um but at some point I just I, I remember this was 2006 mm. So I decided, I made a decision in 2005. And if you remember in 2004, December 26, the tsunami, uh, one of the biggest tsunamis uh, in our modern history happened in um, Southeast Asia, including Sri Lanka. And it's one of those things as 
the same as if you ask somebody, do you remember where you were September 11? I remember exactly the moment uh, where I was, what I was doing when I saw the first images of this. First of all, because I didn't even know what the word tsunami meant, right? And mm -hmm. just seeing it on, I mean, I'm talking about it and I get, get goosebumps. Mm -hmm. um, just seeing it over and over and over on TV, I just couldn't believe it. It looked like, you know, a science fiction movie. And I was like, it was just really shocking for me. And at the time I was home for Christmas uh, in Venezuela. And I remember my little sister at the time, um, she went around the neighbors and she started collecting money and she got together, you know, like a little package to, um, you know, contribute to, to the cost, whatever. And here I was, a humanitarian worker, and I'm doing, you know, air quotes right now. And I just went, I mean, I, I, was, I felt shocked and, you know, it stayed with me. But I went back home in that moment, D.C., and I just continue with, you know, because I felt like a sense of responsibility, but I also had the responsibility responsibility of going um, to 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 work back to work, right? But there was something behind in the back of my head that just kept on nagging me. Like I was like, I wish that I was more courageous and just like, or actually, I should say that the first one was I wish I was working with a, with an organization that was going over there. Mm -hmm. such as the Red Cross, for example. I was like, oh, you know, how cool. I mean, I don't mean cool. It's like, oh, yeah, it's amazing to go. But like, how, how amazing it would be to be able to be in the Red Cross and, and just go there and help those people, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I also, and, and the second thought was, I wish I was more courageous to, you know, just go there and whatever. So this was in December, right? So um, 2006 came around and um, my birthday was coming up. And I don't know if it happens to you, but like every decade, you know, when you arrive at the zeros, like you start, I don't know, even like unconsciously, you start, you know, questioning directions of life, you know, in your early 20s, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Early 30s, like, you know, I should start thinking about, you know, the future of my life and 40s and 50s. So I was like, you know, I was like, I am not happy. Like I finally admitted to myself, like, you know, I'm starting a new decade and I am just not where I want it to be. Now the question was, okay, so where do you want to be, right? So I was like, definitely not here. So um, at the time I was also, there was, it started clashing. Work with me started clashing and therefore I wasn't inspired. I wasn't excited about going to work. It was a drag. Yeah. Um, the people so I worked with were nice, but I was mm -hmm. like, that's not enough, right? And I got fed up and I was like, I quit my job. I bought a one-way ticket to the place that I remember seeing on TV, which was Sri Lanka. And I just said, let's see what happens. You know, it's like worst case scenario, I have to come back, you know, like, but I was, I knew one of the reasons why I picked Sri Lanka is that I knew that there were a lot of um, projects going on there and that the Red Cross was very prominent there. Mm. And I had always had a dream of working with the Red Cross. Um, and but, you know, at the time when I left, I was like, well, I'm just going to go there and see, you know, how, how I can be of help. Like, even I was like, okay, even if it's six months, I will just go there and see what I can help with. Wow. And I started knocking on doors and knocking on doors and knocking on doors. And I mean, the, the good thing is that at the time, uh, because unfortunately the, the, the war that was going on in Sri Lanka was um, very heavy in the north. So a lot of the organizations were based in the south. And we're talking, there were like, I think I want to say there were like 120 different organizations, mm -hmm. um, if not more. 
so the chances for finding something were high. And within two weeks of asking and knocking on doors, I got a, a job with the Australian Red Cross. So I was, yeah, I was ecstatic. I was like, I cannot believe this. This show so, so, so excited. And um, I actually ended up creating my own position because, you know, I just I basically said like, listen, this is all I know and this is what I can specialize on and blah, 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 blah. And they're like, okay. I was like, great. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to roll back for a small moment because yeah. you and I both lived in Washington, D.C. at the same time. Really? So I just, I had to say, I'm like, I got to say this. We could have met over there. Um, and much like you, for me, it was um, uh, the Hurricane Katrina. Mm -hmm. I, I worked, so I didn't want to make this about me, but it's funny. I thought about the American Red Cross at that time. Like, how amazing would that have been? where all that devastation was in 2005. Um, I, I did a job where I was managing a travel program, but it, it became crisis management because of 9-11. Anyway, mm -hmm. and so when we started going to, so we had places all around the world. We had people traveling all the time. But anyway, I just, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe this red thread's happening, you know? And I had very much the same feelings with tsunami as well, because it, I mean, and that was a huge, I mean, I just, yeah. the world was like caving in at this time, you know, <laughs> on a natural, you know, and of course we had 9-11 and things, but, yeah. which that's nothing small, you know, or the sniper. There was a lot that happened in that decade <laughs> anyway, but I just yeah. want, yeah. I wanted to say yeah. how, yeah. how odd, I mean, we probably could have met there too. So I know, right? We meet here <laughs> in the Netherlands. Yeah. So amazing. Um, but so I just had to say that for, I can't let this podcast go without that little no, I know, right? no, it is. crazy, crazy. I'm sure we were like the same places at the same times and we didn't even know it. So, um, we'll talk about that offline. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> we have to bore everybody on the, uh, on this podcast with our stuff. Um, so wow. One way ticket to Sri Lanka. So here's what most people would not do. First of all, they'd be like, oh, it's really sad over there, but I'm not going where, you know, basically there's water everywhere and it's crisis. And you just said, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but book a ticket and left. And what, when was this? Like February? Um, I'm not sure when your birthday is. Sorry. I don't remember the, yeah, my birthday is February. So it was just like a slightly after um, this okay. um, February. So I don't remember. I, I want to say it was like, March, April, something like that. Okay. Wow. So fast. Yeah. So, I mean, we already kind of have a good idea of where your heart is. You want to have impact and change, but how was that for people that was in your life? You know, you, you quit a job <laughs> for crying out loud. You don't do that yeah. if you have a stable job, right? Yeah. <laughs> what was yeah. That? Yeah. I have to say that my parents, um, I mean, I should start by saying that, you know, when they heard that I was going to Sri Lanka to a war zone, um, you know, they were like, what? But um, they have been the most supportive and adaptable people I've ever known. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, starting from like, oh, I'm going away for two months, I'll be right back. And then saying like, oh, no, I'm staying here for, you know, say two years. And then after that, like, oh, I'm staying here and I'm staying here and I'm staying here. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're used to it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So no, they were they were very supportive. Um, it was hard, I must say, uh, during the time that I was there because the time difference nine hours, mm -hmm. um, which 
there was something positive because I mean the hard part is that you know the communication is quite hard because you know you, you're talking like almost like you know your day is completely shifted right so like they're sleeping when you're up and vice versa but what was good is that when um, at, uh, attempts like uh, you know bombs or something happened it was you know I, I, they were sleeping so I could tell them hey all good right so by the time they woke up they didn't have to worry about me so um, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was lining. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I always say that it was one of the most amazing experiences in my life in the sense that it was the hardest, but it was the best also. Like hardest in the sense of, I mean, not only for the kind of work I was doing because it was difficult to do and that, you know, the, the, mm. I mean, the, the, the tsunami devastated the country. It, it is a poor country. Mm. And, um, but I also met the most amazing people over there, you know, like, I mean, I was surrounded by people who are exactly, you know, like me and are looking for the same things and et cetera. So that was also amazing, but also from a, a, um, a psychological and physical even, uh, perspective, it was difficult. I mean, it is, a, it was a war zone, um, and with everything that comes with that. Right. So yeah, it was, uh, but it was an experience that I would never give up for anything. Like if somebody would have asked me, like, would you do it again? I would say, you know, on a heartbeat. Yes, for sure. That's, a, yeah, I can imagine how many things you learned and what you experienced there. And then after Sri Lanka, what came of that? Did you live there for a couple of years or? Um, yeah, I lived there for almost two years um, and uh, I had to leave basically. I didn't want to leave, but I had to leave because the situation became increasingly uh, more insecure. Um, at the beginning when I was there, um, foreigners were not targeted, but towards the end, um, you know, oh. things were happening everywhere. And yeah, the, the projects could not go further because of the war got so intensive, also became uh, closer to the south. So projects could not go on. So basically, realistically, um, you know, non-essential personnel became a burden on projects because, yeah, we were using, you know, resources that could be used later on, you know, once the, the, the situation was safe enough that, you know, things could, could um, go further. So um, I, I had to leave. And I went home uh, sort of for an R&R &R <laughs> to rest and recuperate. And like I said, just yeah. like, gather a little bit of like you know sanity again and you know, just just think about I mean aside from seeing family and all um just to think what was next for me mm. and um still at that point I was like oh yeah more studying you know and uh, I decided to go for a PhD um but I, I didn't want to go back to the US so I looked in Europe and I was accepted in a in a university in Spain okay but, um, and I mean, that's a whole other story there, but <laughs> I, um, it was around the time when the economical crisis started in Europe. So, uh, I couldn't continue with the PhD because they didn't have the funds. Um, and at the time I met my now better half and I decided that I just wanted, I've always loved Europe and I decided I'm like, you know, I'm just going to stay here, which meant that I couldn't get a job very easily. I didn't touch, I didn't have permits. Mm. And I, as you already know, I'm a kind of person that, you know, she goes and she looks for her own path. Like, you know, I have to craft my own way if it's not there. And so I decided I had been um, my entire life. I've had a camera with me. I mean, it was just more of a hobby or, um, but um, I was like, yeah, why not? Why don't I start something? I'm just going to become a photographer because, you know, that's how you decide to have a business. And I started, 
<laughs> so I decided I'm just I'm gonna be a photographer in Holland. Um, so I, that's that was my first newer attempt, um, which I'm not gonna say it failed, but I definitely was not quite successful because I had no clue what I was doing, yeah. basically. Um, but one thing led to another, and um, I realized that basically my my core passion. Um, is to help women, as I mentioned earlier, to help women achieve their potential. Mm. And I realized that that is my common thread, that it doesn't matter what I'm doing, um, because I found it hard to not be able to work as a humanitarian worker here in the Netherlands, because I thought that's the only way that I can fulfill this, this urge that I have, right? Um, but I realized I'm like, it's not necessarily the only way that I can do it. So I, uh, I am now a brand strategist and I continue with photography too. But what I do is I help um, women who are in, uh, in businesses that need to really create an identity for a business. And I help them create that from the inside out. So from their own personality in a way that feels authentic and that it feels aligned with who they are. Mm. And um, that, you know, eventually, of course, it brings them increase in their bottom lines but that's not what is their main focus and that's very important to me because what i call it is that i help brands with humanity and by that i mean women who believe that we are here to create a bigger impact than just our businesses right like i mean yes we need to bring an income and we need to you know feed our families and whatnot but eventually it's not only about that i feel that we live in a world where every every decision, everything we do has an impact not only in our generations but in the generations to come. And I'm very aware of that. And I really love working with people who are very connected with that part of themselves and that want their businesses to contribute to that that you know furthering of consciousness, I guess. So yeah. Ooh, I'm getting chills. I love it. Uh, well, you're you're singing a song. I. I'm familiar with but I would love to know like especially for the audience because I mean impact and humanity and I love how you're bridging this it's so amazing that you found to how to repurpose into this other realm and um, and yet it begs this question what women have you worked with that you see that thread really exemplified might be a big question. It's ironic because one of the things that I help uh, my women do is, um, you know, get clarity on, I believe that one of the things, you know, we're talking about living your life with heart, right? And making decisions based on what feels good in there. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I find a lot is that, and it happened with me, that we don't give ourselves time to think about what we want. Right. What is it that you truly want? And one of the things that I actually am very grateful about my business is that because of the business, I had to think about, okay, what do you want for your business? Which in turn means, what do you actually want for yourself? What do you want your business to give you, right? Um, which means that you have to really look deep inside of yourself to come up with all those answers and that clarity and all of that thing. And... Um, when I did it for myself, I realized all of these things, right? Like, okay, for me, it's important not only to help the women, but that the, these women are also connected to that, you know, I want to do something better for, you know, for, for, for humanity at large. And um, the ironic part is that every single woman 
that has worked with me has that. And by that, I mean that they come to me with like, oh, I just want to start a business, you know, selling my um, one, for example, was uh, she was selling photography and she was doing her own drawings. She's like, you know, that's, that's my product. But this, the moment I started talking, uh, you know, walking through the process, we realized very quickly that that's not only what she wants. Like she wanted to help. Um, it's, it's sort of like second chance, you know, like she wanted to actually start teaching people how to use their skills to, you know, find another way to, you know, after getting in trouble or after, you know, having issues with whatever issues they were having, um, that they, they could have a second chance, right? And, um, for example, right now I'm in talks with another woman who's a filmmaker and she uh, is all about women in color and, you know, like the impact of what they're doing in the world and, and that sort of thing. And it's like, when you are so sure about the direction that you're going, you start attracting that, even if you don't even realize it. Like, you know, <laughs> now I am conscious about it, but your vibe and your, your path in life will inevitably start attracting those kind of people, right? But I mean, I do think that it's powerful to realize it, but I also think that if you stop today, right now, after you hear this podcast and you start thinking of the people who are surrounding you, you will find an answer that maybe you didn't know. This is, you know, this is what, what I am looking for um, because it's reflected on the other people that are surrounding me. Wow. Yeah. That's fant I'm like just mesmerized over here, everybody. <laughs> um, it is really, truly listening and following your heart. I mean, that's what I hear, of course, because, well, that's what this podcast is about. But it is about being clear. Like you said, clarity is about knowing go you know for you i want to i want to highlight this going your own way creating that um and i love that you were talking about this one client of yours because she thought she was just doing this little thing and you helped pull out of her her real passion what her purpose is and so that's a gift that's you know and and you know like you said it is a business but uh i have found also in my work Women are driven f towards things that have heart and service that have an impact on others. And you said it earlier in this podcast, which I thought was beautiful. You know, um, when you teach a woman, you're teaching generations. Yeah. And I believe that can also be applied to men. I don't want to be too gender specific here. But um, what you also said is in this realm of women, we don't think we don't stop to think about that stuff <laughs> right like we're so much you know um and this is for a lot of reasons i don't want to get into that but you know we we get we get confused about what our role should be should it be a mom should it be a wife should it be, you know and when you're trying to do something so big as entrepreneurship can be um it's wonderful to know that there's somebody out there like you who is pulling this up, up and out of each woman. You know, it's really important. And I, of course, yeah. appreciate it. Well, you know, I'm like, because I believe that, <laughs> like I said, it, it doesn't, um, just having that clarity doesn't necessarily have to be for entrepreneurship, but having that clarity of knowing, as you said, like who, what and who should I be? Right. Like, I, um, I struggle when I hear that word, like, oh, I'm multi-passionate. So I, ha you know, I don't know which one, which, which way to go. I'm like, we're human beings by nature. We'll multi everything, right? Like mm -hmm. I am a sister. I'm a, you know, I'm a 
a, a partner, yeah. um, you know, your mom, like there's so many things that we all are. It's just understanding what is the one common thread that takes us through our lives, right? And I think that that helps us. That's our compass. That's our, you know, that's our true north. And that's what helps us go our own way. Because, you know, I, I talk about this in, in terms of business, but it, it is what has helped me navigate every single decision that I've made in my life. Because a lot of people say like, oh my God, you're so um, gutsy. And, you know, you do all these things like, you don't think that I was freaking out, you know, when I was in that plane to Sri Lanka thinking like, what the beep did I just do? I'm glad you but said it. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the passion is bigger and stronger than any fear that I could have had at any moment, at any decision. You know, when I left home, I, you know, I, I thought I was just like a, die because I wasn't in that um, nuclear family like but I was like you know it's just two, two months like that was already dramatic enough for me and so going from you know every step that I took was because the passion was bigger than the fear that you know any situation could have given me so but it's it's coming to that understanding of what is that common thread that has helped me guide me throughout I love it. Obviously, I can't hide it. Uh, I totally resonate. I really love your story and how you persevered. And I'm, I really do appreciate you saying that, of course, you're on the plane to Sri Lanka going, oh, my effing God, what am I doing? Because it does take courage. And um, I, I gave this in a recent talk. Uh, Brene Brown put this up on her fa Facebook. It's the word courage, the core root of it, the Latin is core which is the word for heart and so back in the day courage meant speaking one's heart and mm -hmm. um so it, it got morphed into a heroic event of somebody running into a building that was courage but it is it does take courage to be vulnerable enough to listen to the passion that got you on the plane to go God knows do what, you know, you had no job <laughs> to follow blindly where your heart is leading you. That is just, and I love telling these stories and hearing from women because it's always different for each of us, how we, we listen to it. And what, but what you say so beautifully is you do know this. You may not be clear on it. You know, um, there are people in this world that can help you. I'm not going to name any names. <laughs> You are on this podcast right now, <laughs> but when you, right. But I mean, it is really sitting and being like, okay, what do I really want? What do I, what really fulfills me most? And I love how you say it's this threat. You're not just a humanitarian. You're not, you know, an admin for a big NGO, you know, all these titles, you know, you were searching. And when it wasn't there and the answer was in your lap, you went for it. Um, and that's the most courageous thing you can do is not just listen, but to follow your heart, I think. You know? Yeah, exactly. And um, so I just love every bit of this. Thank you so much for sharing this story with us and, um, and also your passion for your business. It's great work that you're doing and what you're helping women discover for themselves inside their own businesses. Yeah. So, um, and what is the name of your business while we're here? <laughs> so it has my own name. So I, I, you know, when I started it, I thought it was important that, you know, my name was in it. So it's Maria Inez Design Studio. 
Right. I know it's a mouthful, but <laughs> well, we'll have it in the show notes. But yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, Marina, thank you so much for your time and um, sharing your story with us and showing us what it means to be courageous and following your heart and in and, and all these different ways. Um, yeah. Thank you for being on the Guided Podcast today. No, thank you so much. It's been amazing. I love this conversation. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. This has been another episode of the Guided Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Do you have a story where you followed your heart? Would you like to share it? Contact me at the email address inside the show notes, and you can be featured here on Guided. Until the next time, this has been Guided.